Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology. Greetings, Bob Mosher here, one of your co-hosts for the Performance Matters podcast series. Uh, So excited that you continue to join us or maybe just joined us. Uh, We do hope you find these podcasts helpful in this really exciting and powerful discipline of the five moments of need, workflow learning, performance support. In fact, today's a very special episode, friends. I ask a little bit of patience. How's that? (laughs) This is our 75th episode. 75. Really incredible. I had no idea we'd go at this this long, to be honest, friends. But uh, we have seen the viewership or our listeners grow over the years now, and we are hoping that this is helpful. And in this one in particular, friends, I'm going to ask a little forgiveness and a little help. I'm reflecting back on the 75 episodes, friends. In fact, I'm reflecting back on almost 20 years of my time in this business. To get a little bit of history here, September 6th, which is actually what, tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. I will celebrate my 41st year in education. 41 years. <laughs> That's insane. And, and Dr. Godfordson uh, has eclipsed 50 years in this remarkable business. And I will start by saying I, would, I don't regret any of it. I love what we do. And I am excited about what we can continue to do. But today I want to talk a bit about some challenges, some frustrations that I've seen and we've seen in the business. And frankly, friends, I love your feedback. I know you can give feedback to these podcasts in the podcasts themselves. You're also welcome to email us, bob at applysynergies, all one word, dot com, applysynergies.com. You can go to the Five Moments of Need website www.5momentsofneed.com. Give feedback there. This is one where we really want to have a conversation, frankly, which I know podcasts don't lend themselves to so much, but I really would love some feedback. Here's where I want to go with this. And again, you're going to have to allow me to rant here a bit and hopefully share some insights and maybe pose a few challenges. Because here's the thing. Uh, I've been in corporate learning for 36 years. I was in public education here in the States, as we call it, for the first five. But then I entered corporate learning in the early 1990s. And here's what I want to share with you. I have heard four things almost since that very first day. Literally, 36 years. We need a seat at the table. We meaning L&D. We want, need a seat at the table. And number two, ROI, return on investment. Really hard to do. Super, super hard to do. We've had Kirkpatrick. We've had Phillips. We've had a whole host of wonderful folks that have run it measurement. But darn it, we still don't know how to do it well. And we find it really hard to do. We hate being order takers. <laughs> is this any of this sounding familiar? And, and something that goes kind of hand in hand with that. A fourth thing is, you know, why are we more involved earlier in conversations around the strategic initiatives in the companies we support? Why are we so downstream? Why do people come to us with, I want five days of training on leadership or fill in the blank, right? E-learning, whatever, right? And they come to us with the die already cast. In other words, we're not involved strategically. Well, friends, here's the thing. How much of that is our own fault? This is the classic whoever said it. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, 
Friends, I got to be honest with you. That's what we do in L&D too often. If, if these four things resonate with you at all, if these four things still exist within our industry, what are we not doing that would have changed them? And here's where I think we get fooled. There's all kinds of cool technologies. There's all kinds of neat, you know, initiatives and so on. And as you've heard us pound in this podcast over and over again, the reality is, friends, as my father used to say, lipstick on a pig is still a pig, if I may use that metaphor. We haven't changed the narrative. We haven't changed the deliverable. We may have changed the modality. We may have upgraded the technology. We may have changed some acronyms. But the reality is we still are in the training business almost exclusively, if not alone. Even though we've changed and updated our approaches, if you look at our deliverables, and if you obviously know the five moments of need, that's why you're probably listening, we have not budged outside of new and more in the 36 years I've been at this, honestly. So here's my frustration, friends. Why not? Why? Because we can't. This whole podcast is going to be about why we can and should. This whole series has been about why we can and should. Yet it frustrates me that we still sit where we sit, vulnerable on the P&L, on the cut line every time when times get tough, not seen as an investment, but as an expense. And candidly, friends, that is mostly our fault. It's mostly our fault because although we've tried to change the deliverable and the whatever those things are called, we've not changed the narrative or truly changed the outcome. Let me give you six things that I want to see how they resonate. Would any of these six, if not all of them, change the way you're seen to those you support and the investment they make in us, the trust they have in us, the partnership they see in us, how strategically they see us? What if you walked into those you support tomorrow and you uttered these six lines? What do you think their response would be? Number one, I can reduce our typical training costs by half. In any program that we're going to do going forward in 2023 and 24, I can reduce the typical training cost of those initiatives by half. Number two, at the same time, I can also reduce the training time, the time away from work by half, at least. The time people have to stop working to learn, which is a massive investment in every organization. An ROI number we don't track well enough, right? If I have to stop and take a class, I'm not working. I'm not working. So you lose that time for me as a productive employee, candidly. So we can reduce the training time, the training footprint by half, and, and therefore a whole bunch of things like cognitive load, other kinds of things that we understand in education. Number three, we can reduce the time that people then stop working and searching by 20% at least. Did you know that there was a study once done that people spend, I think it was by McKinsey, that people spend a fifth of their time, one day a week, up to one day a week, searching for information. Ever thought about that? People spend one working day, one paid working day, searching for information a week. And, and a lot of times they don't find the right thing. Total waste of time, total waste of money. We can reduce that considerably. Number four, we can reduce the time to competency. This is, by the way, why we do what we do, right? We don't, we're not in the training business. We're in the productivity business. 
We can reduce the time it takes for someone to be competent in their job, again, by half at least. We once knew of an onboarding program that took people 18 months to be competent. Competent doesn't mean that they get it. Competent doesn't mean they pass the class. Competent doesn't mean they're compliant. Competent means they are doing the work on their own, no help from others. That's competent. We can reduce the time to that by half. How about two others? Number five, what if we enabled employees to be more self-reliant and agile as they deal with a constant change that's going on without having to come back to be retrained? No retraining. What if we could help employees stand self-reliant beyond any training effort so that they not only don't need as much training, if any, but they can stand self-reliant and improve their self-efficacy is higher, they're better productive employees. Number six, I don't know what goes on in your company, but what if you said we can reduce the information chaos throughout this organization by taming all of the repositories, all of the websites, all of the Google searches, all of the knowledge bases, all of the content. I mean, my gosh, you guys, it's SharePoint. Come on, SharePoint? I'm not knocking SharePoint. I'm knocking what we do with SharePoint and what SharePoint's become in most organizations. It is a mess. People, it kind of goes back to that one day a week thing, right? People can't keep up with find most current information in most organizations because the content, if I may, management strategy, meaning on the learner side, on the performer side, is a mess. They can't navigate the junk. What if we could reduce that? Get that under control. If you walked in and said those six things, reduce time by half, reduce training by half, reduce time to competency by half, reduce people's searching time, Make them self-reliant and self-learners so that they don't have to come back to as much retraining or training at all. And get the organization's information ecosystem under control so it's efficient, current, easy to search. God, I'm sorry. I don't know any line of business owner that's going to say, nope, I want five days of leadership training. I don't know one. But see, here's the thing, friends. We are not, oh boy, what's the word? Brave enough? to back those promises. It can be done. It is being done. Workflow learning, five moments of need, performance support, has, is proven to validate all six of those things I just said. You can do these things. I'll give an example, friends, just on the idea about saving time for training, the lost productivity thing. We recently did a cost justification analysis for an organization doing a large rollout. Uh, they're in retail. They're opening up a whole bunch of stores. $23 million. The reduction in the footprint of training, the time lost to, to time away from work, the ability to onboard people faster to new responsibilities and roles, $23 million in savings. That pays for most L&D departments by a lot. <laughs> That's on one project, friends. So, guys, you can tell I'm ranting here. But here's my frustration. It's like we're moving the chairs around on the deck of the Titanic. I have been screaming this, and not just me. Guy Wallace, David James, Con Godfredson, Chris Hoban, Alfred Remitz. Guys, I can go on and on. These are, these are friends, colleagues, and respected folks in our industry have been screaming this from a mountaintop for at least in my case, almost 20 years. Why don't we as an industry listen? Honestly, 
Why don't we as an industry change? Now, guys, I think it starts with us reframing our purpose. We're not, guys, we're not in the training business. We've said this a thousand times. You're in the performance enabling business, right? This is the whole ROI thing. We have to get away from being forced or measured by consumption and rather be measured by output. And that's a problem. But to be measured by output, we have to shift our deliverables, our methodology, our approach to something that's different. We have, if we, if we want to not be seen as order takers and an expense on the ledger paper, then we have to be seen as someone or an organization that delivers things that return an investment. So if you look at yourself as a performance enabling organization, and then step back and take a hard look at your tools. I know I did. They're not performance enabling tools. They help, right? And something we have to start communicating with those we serve and understand within our own teams, within our own design, our technologies, our development, is that training alone has never been enough and will never be enough. I'm going to say it again. Training, now care, I mean carefully, your friends. I'm going to come back around to this in a minute. But training alone, which is, again, friends, if you look at our deliverables, don't be fooled by technology. LXPs, LMS, e-learning, virtual instruction, handheld mobile. Friends, don't be fooled by the deliverables look and feel, frankly, right? You have, you have to look at the content and the design. Most of those things I just mentioned are new and more training deliverables and yes they are cool they're efficient at that there may be cost savings involved guys i get all that but what we've been tricked into thinking is that they do more than just train and they don't they don't they're training modalities that help mix things up differently um, change the economics guys i get all that but the reality is they have not moved the dial or how we're seen or our impact any more than the days when you walked into a classroom and a teacher had a blackboard and chalk, for those of you old enough to know that. It is still a training deliverable. And again, that's okay. I want to get back to that. Training alone is what I said earlier. Training alone. Guys, sometimes Khan and I and this whole movement is seen as attacking the classroom devaluing the classroom, saying the classroom is, dare I say, wrong, bad. It's not. It's spectacular for what it is needed to do and what it does best. It is spectacular. Here's the problem. Here's the elephant in the room. If we step back as an industry, I think we will agree with this. Number one, it carries too much burden. Therefore, we overteach. Every designer, every trainer knows this. It's the, it's the thing we say in dark corners when we're, when we're alone and no one else is listening. We overteach way too much. We put way too much in the classroom. It carries way too much of a content burden. Five days of leadership training. Are you kidding me? But here's the problem, friends. If we're a one-hit wonder... And I don't care what the modality is. If what we make first and primarily and maybe only is a training deliverable, we will never get any other outcomes than training. 
and again, that's where this whole movement's been going for me, friends, for 15 years. It's not about not training. It's about using it appropriately. It's about putting it in the context of all the tools we can and should have and using it like any tool correctly so that it does what it does best. You've heard me use the carpentry metaphor a zillion times, right? A classroom, e-learning, virtual, those are all tools in a toolkit like a hammer, a saw, a drill. The problem is if you look in too many of our toolkits, that's all we've got. If you will embrace workflow learning, if you'll embrace digital coaches, if you'll embrace performance support, if you'll embrace the five moments, it will force you and allow you to move beyond the classroom to a brand new deliverable and it will give you, as you heard me describe earlier, and I'll kind of wrap up with them again in a bit, a different promise to those you serve and a different outcome and you will be seen differently. We've seen this happen over and over again to multiple organizations, global, multinational, almost every vertical in the world across the globe in the L&D teams with leaders courageous enough to try this and L&D teams that do the same. I'm not saying it's really easy, <laughs> but, but frankly, what in life that's worthwhile doing is half the time, right? I mean, it's cliche, but you know, it was a challenge for me to make this pivot. It's a challenge for any professional when a new approach comes along to make a pivot. That's not just limited to L&D. Doctors with new technologies, accountants with new approaches, customer service people with new systems to better automate the whole... Friends, I can go on and on. But here's the reality. Most of those industries have changed, adapted, and frankly are still around and are probably more productive than we are. We have remained mired, mired, mired in a training-first mindset for almost our entire existence. When someone walks in our office and says, I'd like five days of training... All too often, our answer is, sure, I can do that. That has to stop. And guess where? this is where I love the conversation to go, obviously, on top of reacting to what you heard so far. Why do we keep, what keeps us from doing this? Let's be brave enough, you guys, to have a frank conversation amongst our peers as to why we're not doing this. Is it fear? Is it price? Do we, we don't have the skills? Maybe we don't see the value. I, I hope I've made a pretty strong case for why the value is there, but maybe I haven't. Maybe we don't see it. Obviously, training alone is safe. It's what people ask for all the time. So it doesn't appear to put us at risk. But friends, think about this. In the 36 years I've been at it, L&D has been at risk since the first day I got in it. We've been fighting for our value since the first day I got in it. We've been trying to prove ROI. Oh my gosh as long as I can possibly remember. And when times get tough, and for many of you, they are right now, we are the first, one of the first to get cut. What does that say about our value? People don't want, friends, this is where, this is where I'll wrap it up. Organizations don't want training. They want results. And they think training gets them there or begins it for them. But honestly, guys, if you ask most everybody that's that our clients, they'll tell you that they even know that, well, you know, training's okay. But I mean, what else would I do? There's the rub. We have to stand up. We have to be courageous enough to support a different narrative, to deliver a different product, 
to do a different type of analysis, to explore new technologies and not keep revamping the same old ones and calling them something different. We have seen this work. This can be done. Listen, we have proven methodologies, sophisticated technologies, and proof, ROI proof, and an instructional research to support the fact that this approach does work. It does make training work, but we have to see ourselves differently, friends. So let's go back to how we started. If you are sick of hearing or feeling like you want a seat at the table, you can't prove true ROI on performance and impact, you hate being an order taker, you hate being downstream in the whole process, you hate being the last person that they come to, you hate being dictated to for what you have to make, I want five days of training before you have any conversation with anybody. If those things, if you know that you overteach, and when you're done, your students are frankly really overwhelmed and possibly can't remember or apply more than half of what you just put them through. Do something different. Enough is enough. <laughs> How's that? I, I have a lot of heroes in this business. One of them is a gentleman named Doug Holt. He's been on this before. He's written a number of blogs. There's a great one that I, I can direct you to uh, in the comments here. And I'm going to paraphrase, so I apologize. But he basically said, you know, once you've seen this, you, you can't look away. And if you do, it's almost negligent. How's that for a strong word? Friends, there is a proven better mousetrap. We don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We can do, many are, something quite different that will put us in a different position, but more importantly, help support performance at the moment of apply, help enable our learners to stand self-reliant, help build their self-efficacy to own their professional development. These are lofty goals that I think we've always had, but now we can absolutely do them. Friends, I'd love to hear what you think. I really would. And I'm open to anything. Honestly, after 20 years about of banging my head with this, I am open to hear, what am I missing? What am I saying that doesn't make sense or is wrong? Love to hear it, friends. Let's, let's be brave enough to have this very important conversation about what we do, the value we bring, and the impact we have on those that we serve. Thank you, friends, for your patience, your time. Hope the information was a little challenging, helpful, and let's continue the dialogue. Until next time, thanks. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.